Welcome to ADHD is over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is over. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast that I really am committed to transforming part of the conversation uh, around ADHD. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Hurts my soul every time I say disorder. And you could interpret that two different ways, right? It hurts my soul because poor children and oh, they, you know, what they're struggling with and the parents and the whole chaos, right? The sort of inside of the box chaos. Well, that's not what I'm referring to. It hurts my soul because I know that none of us are ever disordered until something, someone, something, something, when I say something, it includes things and people, environment and so forth. Something disorders our way of being. In that sense, yes, there are disordered people. But it's not that they are disturbed or psychologically or intellectually less than or doomed by this supposed genetic disease or disorder, right? So that's why my wife and I wanted to start this podcast ahead of the movie, the film ADHD is over. We wanted to share with parents an alternative narrative outside of the box. You know, there's alternative narratives inside of the box, such as uh, doing, uh, you know, changing your child's nutrition, doing reflex integration, perhaps uh, doing uh, video games that are uh, supposed to uh, be good for children with ADHD, right? Things that... Um, perhaps are seen by the elite psychiatrists and psychologists as a bit airy-fairy, as in like, yeah, you can try that, but the most effective is still medication. And so, again, when we say alternative conversation around ADHD, we're not talking about that kind of alternative, you know, the nutritional, the supplements, the, the, the um, therapies and so forth, right? We're talking a completely brand new, never existed before alternative narrative of what even ADHD really is. That's why we started this podcast. And right now at this very moment in time in history, there's some unprecedented uncertainty in the world, especially in the United States is where we are located there's just a lot going on with our so-called pandemic in the world, our global pandemic, and also with the U.S. elections. There's been a lot of heat, a lot of anger, a lot of division. I've lost friends over this, over opposing political views. I believe anyone has the right to have any kind of view and to me, it's the mature adult that, or child that can say, okay, I don't agree with that. I, I believe differently, but I love you for being a stand for what you believe in. And you may change your mind down the road, or I may. We'll see. But in the meantime, let's stay friends and perhaps let's keep each other informed, right? And, and that's rarely happening. At least, I would say from my point of view, right now, in my field, I see a lot of division. So there's a lot of uncertainty right now in our world, and it's unsettling. And you know exactly what I mean. And this is 
emotional, psychological, physical, spiritual. There's just a lot of energy moving left and right and up and down and forward and backwards. And, you know, it just feels like we're in this warm air tornado or hurricane and it's cold air, it's hot air, it's warm air, it stops, it speeds back up. Like it's just something we've never experienced before. I mean, most of us, I would imagine if you have, you might be from another continent, country, where uh, you've been through wars and you've been through um, these kind of uncertainties. And I, I will assume some of you have. So I can't speak for everyone, but for me and my family and most of my friends that are, or neighbors that are in my uh, sort of immediate connected field, um, we've never been through this. And this uncertainty at first, so it kind of went like this. At first I thought, okay, well, we'll handle it. And then I was in the middle of it and it became this repetitive hammering of fear, of confusion on a daily basis. And I let it distract me from what's really important to me, like my family, my work, my passion, this project, and so forth. And I started a, a really deep inquiry. I wanted to know myself, what is uncertainty? Why does it exist? How can we have certainty and move forward in an uncertain world, in uncertain circumstances? And what's really amazing is that I had taken a, a couple of weeks break after the holidays on ADHD. It's not that we were burnt out, but it was a bit of, you know, like, okay, holidays, family, let's kind of take a break. And here I am back to report that my inquiry into the lack of certainty or the, the present uncertainty in the world actually led back to the same point, if I want to call it a point or a core, the same essence that this project is all about. This is the first time and I've had a couple episodes before where I touched upon certainty and masculinity. This is the first time where I confidently am speaking from the core of what our film, our project is about and what the message of the film is. And so I'm going to save that for the end of the episode, right? It's kind of like the climax. But don't worry, it's not like I'm doing one of these podcasts where the host at the beginning says, we're going to have diamonds at the end of the podcast. And then you wait for an hour and a half and the diamonds are actually more like, you know, shiny glass, glass um, items that look like diamonds. This one really, to me, truly is a diamond. And I will save it for the end, not because I'm going to string you along, but it's, I have to explain it. I have to give some context. So let's start with the current uncertainty in the world. There are lots of people right now that feel uncertain around politics, around their health with COVID-19, around their families, even their marriages, their parenting, school, health, right? All of it is currently being challenged and questioned. There's reflection going on around all of it. And if we ignore that reflection, we are ignoring the opportunity that this moment in time brings, this, this challenge, this opportunity for growth and transformation. And so I started to look at everything in my life. Where am I not being who I say the world should be? And this brought me to the title of our episode, Be the Change, which is borrowed from Gandhi's quote, be the change you want to see out in the world. And it's really been brought home for me several times in the recent few weeks. It used to be a great saying, and I would be like, you know, really behind it, and Gandhi is great, and what he's achieved, and his words are gold, and what he says must really, you know, be true, and so forth. And I'd always seen it almost a bit theoretical, or like hypothetical, and, and I have identified with it, it resonated with my being, but I never seen it so clearly reflected in my own life where at some point I stopped and I said, I have to stop wanting to change the world, stop wanting to tell people what they should think, stop and so forth, right? And even question this project. Why are we even doing this project? 
Why are we even trying to tell people that, uh, you know, giving your child medication is a Band-Aid and a crutch, and if you let that become the only um, remedy, uh, there's not going to be fulfillment and harmony in, in the family, right? Why are we even saying any of these things if the change we want to see out in the world, we first have to be at home? So I really, really spent the last couple of weeks reflecting on that deeply. And what I came up with is very simple. I'm no longer going to try to change the world, but I am committed to sharing our story because we have started a journey that we know has given us lots of blessings and brought a lot of peace and fulfillment to our family. And I believe that it would be for me withholding something great with the world if I didn't share it. But I'm not sharing it from the point of view of uh, pharma is bad and psychologists and psychologists, you know, psychiatrists don't know. And, you know, any of these kind of stark judgments or sort of these, these brutal black and white kind of labels, not at all. Everything has a place. But the reflection led me to think about being the change that I want to see out in the world. And I thought, well, okay, so if there's corruption in politics, which I'm a true, I'm a believer there is, there's corruption in any kind of high stake money, you know, business uh, game in the world, most of them, not all of them, but cor corruption exists. I never, I would never say corruption is everywhere, but it, it exists. I've seen it. And then I thought, well, if I can see it, I believe it exists. I recognize it. It must be within me. And I started digging, you know, fraud, cor corruption, lying, cheating. And I realized that at a very macro level, I have all of them in my life. I sometimes withhold information from my wife because I feel like, oh, she can't handle it emotionally and or I'm, I can't handle it because she's going to get upset. And then I don't know what to do with her anger because I wasn't really raised how to be with people who get emotional because I didn't have emotional parents. And, you know, the whole patterns, I unraveled all these patterns. And then there's times when I cheat, like there's times where in the past where I've, you know, done a tax return and my uh, accountant said, well, you know, we can write this off. This is sort of business. And I was like, oh, okay, well, if it's sort of business, then sure. And I've since remedied that. And I since question every single expense ever, even when someone says, well, you, you know, we could technically write that off as a business expense. If I know it wasn't purchased for the business and it's not being used by the business, it is not a business expense. So it's bringing integrity to these areas, right? Or there's times when I've lied, when I've cheated, I've cheated on all my girlfriends, including my wife and a previous uh, serious partners. And I've since come forth and shared about it. And you know, and, and remedying all of that. There's so many things um, where I would manipulate in the past. I've manipulated women to sleep with me, uh, psychologically sweet talk or manipulate. It's all a macro version of what's going on out in the world. And so there's enough work for me to be doing here, over here with me, me, Roman, and my wife, Tatiana, in our marriage, and then with my children as parents, right? There's enough to, to uh, transform first before we become the kind of people who go out and say, this is how you have a successful family, or this is how you have a, a, a successful relationship or intimacy, love. You know, I believe that by transforming myself and my family first, if it's meant to spread out, ripple out into the community, it will. If not, then it was just meant to be for me and my family to have that transformation first so we can attract the kind of life we want, which is happening. And I'm very grateful it is happening. I'm very grateful for the love and, and, and the gratitude and, and, and the presence that our family currently has and the peace and the joy. So, and that's why we want to share this. So a little bit of side story, right? A little bit of backstory, back to certainty. So I thought to myself, then how come I felt so much uncertainty myself? And how come there's so much uncertainty out in the world? And as I started to do more research around certainty, and this is thanks to uh, 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 mentors such as John Wineland, David Data, Brett Jones and Marie Jones, as well as Rafia Morgan. These are people who have studied and who are experts in masculine and feminine energy, the dance that it requires for the masculine and feminine to have a wonderfully com 
completing beautiful dance. And I will go a little bit into it here. Uh, I may choose to do another episode on just that. But basically every human being has masculine and feminine energy. Usually when women are in their feminine, in their true natural state of the feminine, which is the surrender, the creativity, the nurturing, they are in their feminine, we would call it. When men are in their true masculine, which is the provider and not just financial, but emotionally stable, provider, visionary, creating, here it comes, certainty. Now, some of you at this point may disagree with me or may feel like I'm not really conscious to current what we would call gender roles and the transformation that our society is going through, but bear with me. I first thought, thought the same, but the masculine, and by the way, if you're a same-sex couple or, uh, you know, LGBTQT, any of the letters on that strain of uh, other sexual um, orientations, identities, um, it's the same. When two people come together for a, um, you know, life partnership or a committed romantic partnership or some form of that, there's always a dance and it's always masculine and feminine energy. And here's why certain relationships fail when both partners are predominantly in their masculine or both are predominantly in their feminine because it becomes competitive and that fails because it's not a dance anymore. It's like, I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. And as you can tell, that never works, right? So back to a relationship, masculine, feminine, the dance, right? So if a woman does not feel the true masculine in her presence, even though she has a husband, he lives with her, he's the father of her children, they're together, they're trying their best, if the husband is not emotionally available, and if the husband doesn't have a vision, a confidence, a certainty, here's that word again, then the feminine, let's just go with a straight couple here with my example of, of you know, man-woman marriage. If I don't have that present for my wife, my wife starts to become worried. I say become because a way of being, not get worried. She starts to become the being of worried takes her over. And two things happen. First of all, that way of being will have her switch into the masculine, which means she's now taken on part of my role. And she goes, well, if he doesn't have it, then I'm going to start working, I'm going to start making money, or if he's emotionally unstable, then I need to be that for the kids, then I'm going to be the, the reprimander and the, the disciplinary in the family because he's not stepping up. You know, any of those um, masculine qualities, the wife will take on, in my case, right, with men and women. And you can substitute um, your partner in there, whether it's, like I said, same sex, um, uh, different orientations, right? But in our case, my wife will switch into the masculine. And by the way, guys, for a man that is not attractive, and that is, side note, why a lot of marriages fail. Because the masculine has allowed the feminine to take on masculine qualities, and the feminine has allowed the masculine to take on feminine qualities. And the attraction subdues, almost goes away. Because as men, we are naturally, being straight men, I'm gonna use this example, attracted to that feminine energy, which is why a lot of men end up cheating and going out to, in my case, strip clubs or massage parlors, or even just seeing women outside that are very feminine, wearing uh, flowy sundresses and, you know, flipping their hair. And, and, and by the way, I'm only using this as a visual and as an outward expression of femininity. Femininity is way more than that. But us men, we pick that up. It's almost like a drug. It's like, ooh, the feminine. Yes, I need that. Oh, my wife doesn't have that at home. Well, I'm here to say that as a man, it is our responsibility to create that at home. We can have that with our partner. We fell in love with our partner in the first place to be together, to, to have children with them, to be married. And now that attraction is quote unquote gone. Well, that's on us 
fellas, if I'm just going to talk to the straight men married to straight women here. Why? Because we've allowed, through our own unwillingness to step up, to grow as a man, to be responsible, to be emotionally available, to be the disciplinary, to be the visionary, the, the certainty provider, and hence our women had to switch into the masculine. It's almost like we're wired that way. Plus, transgenerationally, our parents are handing down their wiring. So it's not even wired that way necessarily biologically, although it is. But, you know, we can't go back to uh, creation, the beginning of creation, and say, oh, let's fix that. But what we can do is transgenerationally at least fix many levels of generations in our lineage. And we can be the one where the buck stops here. What do I mean by that? We can be the one, I can be the guy who says, my dad was pretty much in the feminine. He was pretty relaxed and kind of jokey and didn't really stand up for, for his wife and didn't really role model a great masculine as a father, right? That, in my case. Well, that's going to stop with me and my kids. I can tell you that. I'm on a rampage. I am transforming myself this year rapidly, even faster than I have. I started transformational work in 03. So this is 17 years. So 20 years it will have been when I feel like I've really given it a lot of, a lot of transformation. And there's more to go, right? I'm 50 now. I have hopefully another 30 years of transformation left. But going back to the masculine and the feminine. So men are wired to provide certainty. And by the way, what is certainty? Some of you may listen to this word or hear this word differently. I'm going to give you not my definition, but the general definition of the word certainty when it comes to masculine, feminine, energetic work. Certainty is when the person in our presence, and this includes our children, so our, my wife and my children, when they feel safe, when they feel taken care of, not just financially, when I'm there for them emotionally, when I have a vision for the family, when I let them know we got this. And by the way, my wife and children, we have this uh, prayer that we do uh, during dinner. We're not specifically uh, a very religious family. We grew up Catholic, but I always joke, I used to be Roman Catholic, now I'm just Roman. So I'm kind of a recovering Catholic, if you will, and my wife as well. But part of our prayer, which is more of a gratitude, you know, uh, saying before we eat, part of it in the end is everything will always work for, uh, sorry, let me say that again. Part of our prayer at the end before we uh, uh, celebrate and eat is, you know, is the saying, Everything will always work out for us because we say so. And to me, that's a, a, a beautiful example, a simple example of what certainty is. Certainty is not everything will always work out for us because we're lucky or we're special or we're blessed or any of that. Sure, maybe we are lucky, blessed, special, probably somewhere. But it's more of a... I call it an abundance thought. And I want to kind of bring in abundance here as well, even though I'm unpacking two really big terms, but bear with me. Certainty is when I say to my family, we're going to be fine. There's a storm coming. We're going to be fine. How would I know that? Because there's no guarantee in life, guys. You know this. That's why we get warranties when you buy an appliance, because there is no guarantee. So the warranty says, because there's no guarantee when it breaks, and it might, then you have a warranty. We'll take care of it, right? If there was a guarantee, you wouldn't need a warranty. hope that makes sense. So why, why do I say to my family, we will be fine? Religious people may jump in and say, because you have faith that God will take care of you and so forth and so forth. Maybe. I mean, that's one way to put it. I... I'm going to make this a bit more personal and say that because I trust my internal guidance system, IGS, internal guidance system. What is that? Intuition, gut feeling. You know, you've heard people say like, yeah, my gut doesn't tell me to do this. I'm going to do this or uh, intuitively, blah, blah, blah. Well, 
if we're not constantly and consciously practicing, meaning what I call um, calibrating our internal guidance system, then it's harder for us to tell our families that we'll be fine or I got this and I'll tell you why. So calibrating our intuition and our gut feeling can only be done through impulsivity. What is impulsivity? Well, if you're uh, in the ADHD world, you know this word very well, and it has a negative connotation. Now, you may think it's positive, like in my case, and if so, good for you. That's awesome. Embrace that. That's huge, mega huge. Why? When we get impulses, and we'll talk about where they're coming from, when we get impulses to act on something or to buy something or to move our family to another city and so forth, right? Those impulses, like I said, we'll get into where they're coming from, but those impulses, when acted upon, will bring a result. Often, it's not the desired result. But then we calibrate. We go, last time, when I thought of doing this, I now see that it wasn't quite fully impulsive, but it also had some vanity or some selfishness or some influence from other sources. And so I made this choice and it didn't work out. I'm not going to do that again. That's called calibrating, right? So impulses come from being connected to source. What does that mean? Through meditation, through other forms of um, quieting the mind and really listening to the essence of who we are, the soul of the grand soul that I am or you are, listening to that is an art and a skill we should all be practicing every day. Through meditation is the easiest way. You could do yoga. You can do whatever floats your boat, right? Some people, I mean, that you could do many different things as long as you can quiet the mind. Some people run, right? that gets them into that Zen meditative state. Once you quiet the mind, once I quiet the mind, I'm fully present to source. And it's not necessarily a voice or words or sentences, but it's just sort of feeling that you're in the knowing, this is what I'm going to do next, right? And the more we calibrate our uh, intuition, our internal guidance system, the more we're going to make the right choices for where we're heading. And again, we got to head somewhere. We got to have that vision. That's why I call the masculine the visionary. Doesn't mean the feminine isn't visionary. They're very visionary, but in a different way, in a more nurturing, creating Mother Earth, uh, you know, loving, uh, surrender kind of way. But as a masculine visionary, when I have a vision, aligning that vision, right? with my, my intuition obviously is key. Because if I put it out there like an intention, like this is where I want to take my family, then opportunities will show up where I can actually now act upon what I say I want to be or where I want to go. And then I got to use my impulses. And that's why I'm here to say impulsivity is actually a gift. And I'm afraid that millions of children and adults suppress their impulsivity through the use of stimulant drugs. And we're not anti-drugs here, by the way. We have many experts we've interviewed on this podcast or in our film, that are in our film, that themselves still once in a while take medication because I know it helps them file their taxes and do stuff that's so tedious and so left brain that they just can't do because they're so... They're such visionaries and creative and they want to, you know, they're, they're multitaskers. They're like, I don't want to sit down and do taxes. So for certain things, they still take medication. So th just to make a point that we're not anti-medication, but impulsivity is one of the big things that gets uh, subdued or suppressed through the use of stimulant medication. Now, if you can follow that pattern, when you give a child medication for a disorder such as ADHD, what happens over time is that that child will no longer feel confident in their own internal guidance system. Their internal guidance system, their gut feeling will 
still attempt to inform them of something, but they're so subdued and so suppressed by the medication because it does suppress impulsivity, right? So you can focus and sit down and do schoolwork and be calm or whatever. And I would say it's one of the worst side effects, you know, besides the physical, besides the medical, the psychological side effects that, you know, for the most part, we're not even yet aware of. We haven't even seen uh, some of the effects, the side effects of the new medications that are out because we haven't studied kids long enough into their adulthood. Um, so why am I saying this? What does this have to do with certainty? Well, if we suppress our children to not be, right, impulsive, then we're raising an entire generation eventually of adults who are going to always look to the outside externally for what choices to make. And I've given this example many times, and it's one of my favorite examples, because we all have a friend who at lunch will say, what are you getting? Right? And they don't have an internal guidance system saying, my body actually feels like a salad with blue cheese. That looks good. I'm going to get that. They're used to asking other people, what do you think? What's the Yelp review? What should I eat? Who do you think is better here? You know, they, they literally have been raised and, and religious uh, sort of cultural uh, bondage is another one of those where it's like, well, I'm going to ask God or I'm going to look to the Bible for it. I have to go to my community and ask. And that's all good. You know, those are some of them are beautiful communities and there's a lot of wisdom in the Bible, of course. But the point I'm making here is that what we're doing is we're making people dependent on outside, outside sources to give us information that we think is going to lead us to where our inner self wants to go. But it doesn't. I'm here to say it doesn't. And that uncertainty, right? Not being certain in your choices, not being certain in your impulses creates uncertainty in the world. And I'm here to say that the current political climate and and also how we are acting as a as a species around covid around the global pandemic around education around families around health around politics already mentioned it must say it twice all that how we're acting right now around these issues is so uncertain that to me that is a direct reflection of the missing certainty in our families in our nuclear families. And that is a direct reflection of the missing certainty of the fathers, the masculine, I'll say father figures, right? If it's a uh, same-sex couple. It's a direct reflection of the missing certainty in our families that is not provided by the masculine. And when you hear me say this and you feel perhaps that I'm attacking men or I'm blaming men, I am not. But at the same time, I am saying us men, us masculine, certainty providers in our families are to be responsible for the lack of certainty. Yes. Responsibility doesn't mean it's our fault and we're wrong and bad. It means we are responsible. We can be responding to this crisis with certainty. Almost like a spiritual warranty because none of us knows, know how it's going to go. And again, the religious person would say the faith. Sure, call it faith, trust. But it's ultimately a responsibility to say, I'm going to step forward. And I keep thinking of that Indiana Jones scene where he walks across the the in the cave, right? And he steps with faith that the next board will appear underneath his feet so he can keep walking across the divide. And earlier I, I talked about abundance, and this is a good moment to insert abundance here because abundance, much like certainty, works that way. Abundance doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to make $10 million next week. I'm abundant. Yeah, it's happening. I'm driving fancy cars and I just, money just keeps appearing everywhere. Sure. If that's what you want, that's what you, your soul needs right now. And you can make that appear good for you. You're an amazing manifester and that's awesome that you be celebrated with gratitude and shared with the world, right? 
But abundance truly is trusting, and for the religious, having faith that what you need on your journey as a soul or for your family will be there, not what you want. There's a difference between what we want and what we need. Sure, sometimes I want two different cars. I want to own an off-road vehicle so I can do my camping and and tow my trailer. And, and I would love a Porsche or a Tesla to have a nice ride to go somewhere. But I don't need that, especially right now in my life. I don't need it. So why get it if I don't need it? That's my personal opinion. But the point I'm making is that if I trust and have faith that what I need will be there, now my way of being that I'm taking on is called abundance, being abundant. I will have enough. And I radiate that to my wife and my children. And often what's in the way, by the way, is a financial conversation and it comes from our upbringing, right? My wife grew up in a third world country where they were not upper middle class like I was growing up in Switzerland. So we always had enough money. It was easier for me to feel like, you know what? I always have enough, there'll be more, you know? It was easier for me to get there. For my wife, it's a little harder. But for her, it's easy to uh, really watch her spending and she's been great at that. And for me, it's easy to just continue spending, but I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not a reckless spender anymore. Maybe I was in my 20s. Um, but my point is that her and I are a good team. I'm always a stand for abundance and she's a stand for, let's have a budget. And so we agree, yes. Let's have a budget, but also let's not live in fear that we're going to run out of money because that's not being abundant, right? So abundance and certainty are very similar because they do not come with a guarantee. There's not a, uh, a guarantee that there will be money or there will be food or, or that my visionary plan for the family will work out. But again, if I trust enough my internal guidance system my gut feeling to make the right choices, and I hate to say right or wrong, but to make the most aligned and resonant choices, you know, aligned with my being, with the vibration of my soul, then I will be abundant. I will be certain. And now my wife can relax into the true feminine and not worry about the money, not worry about the plan. She can create, she can homeschool, she can do things, she can even start a business and make money, but it's not coming from the fear that my husband, you know, doesn't, he's, he doesn't have it. So I need to go create it. Now it can come from like, shit, I'm opening a business and I'm just going to create beautiful products that inspire people. And if we make money, great. If not, hopefully we can pay the bills and pay the rent and, you know, move forward. There's a difference there, right? It's easy to misread perhaps what I'm talking about to say, oh, well, men are the only breadwinners. Is that what you're saying? And women should stay home and cook and teach the kids? No, that's absolutely not what I'm saying. I hope you don't hear that. Um, if so, I recommend you re-listen, you know, to the last 20 minutes or so, because it's really not about that. It's not about the typical uh, man, woman, marriage, the 50s, you know, the the man goes to work and the woman stays home. That's not at all what it is. But there is a clearly scientifically proven, and you can listen to a lot of David Data's work and John Wineland and Raphia Morgan, Brett Jones, that the dance of the masculine and the feminine is off when the feminine is in the masculine and the masculine's in the feminine, or the, the, the woman is in the predominantly masculine and the men's predominant in the feminine. There is an imbalance and that will cause marriages to erode. That will cause parenting to be dysfunctional. That will even cause sexual dysfunction, intimacy, and sex will, will have not been presented to the children as a beautiful dance, as a, as a give and take, as a partnership. Hence, our society, when the word sex is dropped in the middle of a conversation, just cringes or intimacy, people stay away from that conversation. It's like, well, it's private. I don't want to talk about it because we think it has to do all with the bedroom, but it doesn't. The physical act of sex is just a celebration of that beautiful masculine and feminine dance working beautifully. 
satisfactory to both parties involved, such that there's radiance and love and the feminine is nurturing and surrendered into creativity and the masculine is certain and emotionally present and a father that's grounded like a massive wooden stake in the ground so that when there's a storm coming at the family, everyone holds on to the stake. Everyone looks to the father for that certainty, that vision. And together the parents upkeep that vision. And so now the family right? The environment of that nuclear family basically consists of safety and certainty. And when those two are not present in a family, it is very easy for sensitive children, like the ones often diagnosed with ADHD and other mental disorders and the likes, will act out. They will act out because they do not feel safe and there's a lack of certainty in the family. And they will act out, and it's a great term, acting out. It's like an actor who, who you know, if you're, if you're five or six or four, you're too young to fully express exactly what your needs are and what's missing and what you would like in place. So you act out. And we say, oh, my son's angry again. He's acting out all the time. That's correct. Not because he's an angry child who just wants to give the parents a hell of a bad time for some reason, some, you know, vicious, let me make your life miserable kind of intention. No, the child is acting out because they're trying to communicate something. And they're trying to communicate that they're not, they don't feel safe and the future is not certain for them. You know, as you know, as a parent, if you're listening to this and you're a parent, you have children, you know that children need to know constantly what's going on. What are we doing tonight at six? Are we, what time are we getting up? Is school tomorrow? Are we going to see my friend? What, 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 where are we going? Like my kids are like that. If they don't know, there's a level of uncertainty. If I just go like, yeah, I don't know yet. I'm not sure what I'm feeling. Let me just, yeah, I don't know. I'll be back, you know, that's uncertainty. And when children are acting out often, they're so consumed with trying to figure out, I need safety and certainty. It's not there. What do I do? And I don't feel respected. I don't feel heard. I don't feel loved. That when they're at school, they're less concerned about learning algebra than they are about what's going on in their family's life. And it's actually scientifically proven a beautiful speech, if you haven't seen a TED Talk uh, by Nadine Burke um, on, on um, the ACE study, the Adverse Childhood Experiences. Nadine is the uh, current, I believe she's still the current um, Surgeon General of California. And she uh, talks about that, that the prefrontal cortex can only do one thing at a time. It cannot process a divorce, for example, or violence at home or feeling unsafe and uncertain and learn algebra at the same time, for example. So no wonder children are at school and they can't be present. They're distracted. They're not focused. It's normal to me. They can't pay attention. And trust me, our attention is the most valuable thing in the world. And advertisers notice, look at Facebook how we train and feed an AI, an algorithm that's trying to figure us all out, is by giving it our attention. Where are you putting your attention? On this ad for five minutes? On this photo of a beautiful woman for three seconds? Versus one second on a photo of a house? You know, we're paying with our attention. And so when we say kids can't pay attention, it's more that they don't want to. Because they, they're missing something. They need that safety and that certainty in their family first. And once they feel safe and loved, now they will tell you what they want to learn about. Because as human beings, we are equipped with th this mechanism that's thirsty and hungry for knowledge. And children will learn. Don't worry. I know those of you, including our family, who are homeschooling or unschooling, there's often a fear of like, are they going to learn anything? 
Are they going to struggle later in life? No, they will not. If they have a certain safe family life with love, they will actually move speed past any other children who've been drilled to just memorize knowledge, you know, stuff down their throats to spit it back up for a test to get a good grade and then to go do a career that their parents told them to do and so forth. You get the idea. The, the unschooled or homeschooled child, and by the way, it's not for everyone. Some kids thrive in public education. They need that structure, right? I would say about a third, but the other two thirds that are sort of left behind, left out, that have a different way of learning and taking in information and processing it, right? They will benefit from having a stable home life and then going out and learning what they want to learn about. And trust me, nowadays with Google and YouTube, you can learn about anything in a few days, anything. And then if you really love it and you're passionate about it, you continue that search. You pick up a book, you go take a course. Maybe you go back to college and now you're 25 or 30 years old. It doesn't matter when you go to college at what age. So I just want to tie this back around to be the change. What we're talking about here is that fathers, the masculine taking responsibility for the lack of certainty in our individual families and bringing back that certainty. It doesn't matter if there's a divorce and the father is now living in a different house. That same father, that same husband, that ex-husband or, you know, can still bring certainty to the current structure of that family when it's divorced or separated. Fathers, men, the masculine, we can bring certainty to our families. And that's going to provide love, safety, the feeling of safety and certainty to our kids. And they can then relax into life. And life includes learning, education, relationships, and so forth, work, careers, right? And I guarantee you that when we as fathers be that change, certainty provider in our families, that ADHD symptoms are going to dissolve, disappear. I, listening to my internal guidance systems right now, can tell you that for me, that's a reality. That's why this project is called ADHD is over, because I've seen those symptoms and I see it still in my own son, now almost 12, disappear. My son is no longer hyperactive, done. He was, no doubt, when he was five or six and he got diagnosed. So what's my point? My point is we can be in charge responsibility. We, as the parents, in this case, the fathers, have the power to disappear mental disorders. I know this is a crazy thought. I know some of you will be like, that's bullshit not possible. I've had, you know, husbands and wives of doctors reach out to me via email or make comments on social media saying, you don't know what you're talking about. But I do. I'm an expert in my son's ADHD journey of now almost six years. I've seen symptoms disappear. And yes, we've done a lot of work with our son, you know, from nutrition to reflex integration to uh, many different therapies that, yes, it all makes a difference. But I know that what makes the biggest difference is me as a man, as a father, as a husband, being emotionally available, confident, healthy, secure, visionary, this providing certainty. To me, that is the foundation of the building, of the crashing building. It's that cemented strong foundation. And in our world, when I look around, I see many of those foundations cracked to the core. That's why I believe there's so much uncertainty in the world out there. And I bet you, and please leave me a comment if you agree or disagree, if you're a woman, a mother, a wife listening to this, that I would bet everything I own, that you disagree, sorry, <laughs> that you agree 
that there's a lot of certainty out in the world, that there's a lot of men that you can't trust that are not grounded and not certain that perhaps you have an ex-husband or someone that left you or you have a current husband in your family that's not providing that certainty, that doesn't allow you to relax. And I don't mean relax like go on vacations all the time, but you can relax your shoulders down and be in your true feminine and nurture your children and create, be creative, support your husband, bring love to the world, that, that you cannot do that when the masculine in your life does not provide the certainty. I'd love to hear from you, all of you. ADHDsover.com is a great uh, platform where you can find our uh, contact. You can sign up for the newsletter on the film with updates. I'm going to wrap it up here about 15 minutes, 50, five, zero. Wow. Thank you for your attention because I, I don't take that lightly. Your attention is very valuable and you've given it to me. If you're still listening, you've given me 50 minutes of your life, at least of your attention in your life around this topic. And I hope that it made sense. I often go into these downloading modes and I just, nothing is scripted. I download it as I speak because I believe it to be the truth, my truth. And I hope that it can resonate and activate some of your own truth when it comes to ADHD or certainty. And I guarantee you when that certainty is created, and that is through real work, really husband and wife or life partners or committed partners, really doing the work, really completing emotional strain from the past, doing the healing, doing the, the, the workshops, the John Wineland, David Data workshops, or the Raphia Morgan, you know, Brett Jones, like really getting into the relationship, really making that a priority so that our children have a stable home. And as cliche as that will sound, because now I see that there's a movement out in the world trying to disrupt this nuclear family, trying to say that that's old fashioned or that that is not conscious and respectful of new sexual orientation. I call bullshit on all that. That's bullshit. That is not what's causing uncertainty in our world. That is not what's causing division. Absolute bullshit. Yes, we can be respectful of, of all the sexual orientations, but let's dig deeper. Let's dig deeper and really find out what do children really need? What really causes them to be safe and feel loved? And that's where we'll find the answer. And unfortunately, they don't know how to tell us because often they're too young. That's why they act out. It's up to us to try it out and provide that certainty to have that household be filled with love and understanding and respect. Lots of respect is now being taught finally through conscious parenting courses. Like our friend Michelle Landau is doing phenomenal work to not belittle our children, to respect them and love them and make them feel safe. Like, an, like they're a human being, they're equal to us. We're not better than them. We're not, just because we're older, we're not better than them. They're equal. And if we can start treating them that way, I guarantee you, you will disappear anything from oppositional defiance disorder, depression, anxiety, ADHD, it will disappear. You have my word. I don't have a guarantee for it. I don't have a warranty for it. But man, do I have a certainty for it. Be the change you want to see out in the world. That was our episode today. Hope you enjoyed it. If so, please stay in touch on ADHD is over and just do me a favor. Just live an exceptionally loving and beautiful life. I'll bring tears to my eyes. Thank you. And until next time, we appreciate you.